All right. Let's do this thing. How you doing? Welcome into the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Lo and behold, it is another Monday night. Wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, my name is Steve Courtney, and my partner uh, working double duty today, huh? Sitting in with uh, the legendary Guy Gordon earlier. How you holding up, partner? Good. It was really fun, I thought. I thought it was uh, spectacular. Mm, you listened. I uh, I tuned in. Yeah. Uh, I Mondays are busy for the kid. Got to go to my mom's and this and that and the other thing. And I was uh, uh, cued in and uh, everything went smooth, as they say. And you came in and you talked about Michigan State, which we'll do here today. But we also have to get to the draft. We didn't get to it. Yeah, here it is. The uh, Monday after the uh, you know, football league draft. And there's uh, a lot to unpack. Uh, but first things first, uh, special thanks to our good friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort uh, for their support of this here radio program that we thoroughly enjoy doing. Uh, Blake is here. I see him across the glass. That uh, He's on the phone ordering uh, pizza, I would imagine. I don't know. Um, but uh, Engineers like to call at the worst possible times. I'm not busy or anything. No, but you fielded it nicely, being the Thank crafty you. season veteran Thank that you I'm are. I'm going to get a text from Ray about that comment in about <laughs> 10 minutes here. Uh, this program is produced, as always, by the one, the only, uh, Nicholas Roddy. And uh, Nick, hey. what's happening? I feel like we're all just hanging out all the time. I say I saw Jamie on the Guy Gordon show. I saw Blake at the Panthers game yesterday. I haven't seen Steve in a while, though. No. Um, I saw you last week a good amount of time. Yeah. You know, maybe that was enough for him. Yeah. (laughs) Out. Uh, Speaking of the Panthers, uh, we'll begin there. Plenty of Lions draft conversation coming up on the horizon. Uh, Happy to have with us in the moments ahead. Eric Schlitt, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Uh, We'll break it down uh, with Eric. Uh, Meanwhile, things were going so well for the Michigan Panthers. Heard right here on WJR yesterday afternoon. Then all of a sudden. For the first time in 40 years, they take the home field since winning the inaugural USFL championship. The New Jersey Devils come a calling, and uh, the Devils or the uh, New Jersey Generals uh, walk away with a 28-13 win. The Devils, yeah, they had uh, yeah. the Devils. That's coming up later. I'm in a hockey mode right now. <laughs> they had legendary uh, Bobby A. Bear on hand. They had the. The 1983 Panthers cheerleaders on hand. They had uh, Calvin Johnson. Some Tigers came over uh, after the game at Comerica Park, uh, but the Panthers couldn't get it done. Uh, it just the Generals' just offense was just too much for the Panthers' defense. Their their uh, dynamic dual threat quarterback. They couldn't really stop him through the air or on the ground. And so it's uh, you got to get better and and get ready for Memphis on Saturday, who was winless so far in the season. Uh, oddly enough, defense, as we've been discussing, Nick, has been the calling card of this Mike Nolan coach Michigan Panther team. Uh, but, you know, when the Generals scored on their first three possessions, the writing was kind of on the wall. Although uh, the Panthers, being a second-half team, made a game of it there for a second in the second half. Yeah, they got within one score, but uh, they the, the strength of the Panthers' defense is really their defensive line. And when DeAndre Johnson, the quarterback for the Generals, was – was getting hot. He was getting rid of the ball so quickly or tucking it and running it and making quick decisions. The Panthers D line really couldn't make any plays. They couldn't disrupt the offense. So, I mean, he really had his way, especially on the first three drives. They kind of stalled out in the second half other than one drive, but 
Um, at that point, it was too much to overcome. And then Carson Strong came in for Josh Love for a couple series. He led them on their only touchdown drive. So it remains to be seen if we see a quarterback controversy going into Saturday. But, um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, DeAndre Johnson. Uh, obviously, uh, put on quite a show for the Generals. 10 of 15, 182 yards, two TDs. Also ran for 100 yards and had a TD. Another example of a guy perhaps that's in the crosshairs of the National Football League. Does this guy get any action that way at all, Nick, you think? Um, he, he Probably not at quarterback. Just, I mean, there's only so many guys who kind of have his skill set. It's really Lamar Jackson is, is probably the prototype, and there aren't many Lamar Jacksons in the NFL. Unless you're, unless you're elite like that at, at the dual threat quarterback, you're probably not going to get a chance, but I mean, he really he's he's certainly done well so far this season. He might get a practice squad look or something like that down the line. But um, yeah, he had the Panthers defense on their heels all day. Uh, now I had heard uh, it was printed in a couple of uh, you know the Freep and uh, Detroit News about seventy five hundred. But uh, talking to some people, uh, they're thinking maybe it was closer to fourteen hundred or fourteen thousand. I don't know how they go about you know the, the official attendance for USFL. Uh, what was your best guess? Yeah, there is no official attendance for the USFL. They're not going to release attendance numbers for games. Um, they were expecting between 15 and 20. Yeah, the free press might have done like a loose count and, and come up with 7,500. If I were to guess, I would say it was more than 75. It was probably closer to 10,000 if I were guessing. I mean, there was certainly a crowd noise at Ford Field. It, it wasn't like a Oh, there line. was. Watching it on a tube, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they were really into it and, and they stuck around pretty much for the entire game. Uh, even though it wasn't really much of a game at halftime, um, the, the crowd was into it. The, the, the Ford field staff and, and Lions staff and USFL staff all combined to do a really good job of, with, uh, on field, uh, activities. And they brought in WWE's big E to kind of be an MC for the stadium. So saw him. Yeah. It was certainly. Yeah. It was an exciting atmosphere. Uh, Greg Campy tweeted that uh, he took in the game. Uh, got a nice price on a ticket. Uh, let me ask you this. I'm just asking for a friend. You know, the tickets are very, very fairly priced. What about beers? Uh, I did not. Again, asking well, for a friend. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you from experience. I did uh, I did go down to one of the suites, and, and one of our friends invited me to have a beer, but that was free. So uh, I, uh, that was after the game. So I, I, don't, I don't know what they were at the concession stand. All right. What uh, I think is a bummer, though, is like they're trying to start something great and they lose in front of the home crowd the first time. So I hope people stick with them. Yeah, I do, too. I mean, they they played well the first two weeks. Um, I expect them to bounce back against probably the worst team in the USFL on Saturday. Um, So, yeah, I I hope they're I I agree, Jamie. I, I hope they come and support them. I mean, there's only four more games at Ford Field. So chances are if you bought tickets for one game, you probably bought season tickets. So. Um, yeah, we'll see what the crowd like is on Saturday. You know what? Uh, one of the great things about doing this job, you, you really never know who's listening. And uh, I understand good friend Sheriff Michael Bouchard out there in beautiful Oakland County uh, wants to chime in in this conversation. Uh, Michael, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Good evening, Courts. Jamie, how are you? Hi, nice to chat with you again. Uh, again, again, yeah. So here's a little known fact that I'll let you know. It's top secret till now. Um, 
probably the reason they didn't win is the advertisement didn't have continuity. When they were winning, there was a an unknown face that was doing the modeling under the Panther helmet for all the newspaper print and everything, you know, for like the rumble at the dome. Yours oh. truly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They didn't call me, put me in the Panther helmet. They always won when I wore that for the rumble at the, at the dome pictures. Well, wow. you know what? Let the records indicate, uh, <laughs> You know what the deal is. Now, darn it, uh, I think there's a little science, uh, scientific approach to that as well, Mike. Yeah, 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 well, now you're the first to know or remember. Not a lot of folks, uh, you know, remember my heyday back when I was doing that. I was a street police officer by day and a panther lookalike by night. Oh, my goodness. Boy, I'll tell you what. You have a diversified resume if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Yeah, portfolio in Norway, right? <laughs> I think I just heard a local TV news story coming your way. <laughs> I think you can count on it. Uh, Sheriff Bashard, thank you so much for tuning in and uh, making the call. Hey, always there for you guys. Take All care. Right. Have fun. All right. Sheriff Bye. Michael Bashard uh, tuning in. I'll tell you what, that guy. Uh, now, here's the thing. Uh, we're going to take a break. Come back and, uh, oh, uh, Nikki, before we go, uh, Saturday night prime time back at Ford Field, correct? Yeah, 730. Uh, who's in town? I understand it's an 0 3 club. The Memphis Showboats. Wow. Well, I don't Great like that name. name. We got to beat them. I <laughs> like that name. <laughs> James, so, we got to work on some things. Uh, sure. we, were in, uh, we were in Memphis for the first game, and we were traveling with the Panthers, and the Memphis Showboats were playing earlier, and we we're coming down the elevator, and a couple of Panthers were on the elevator, and they go, Man, those sailboats stink. <laughs> How about Even that? The sailboats or the showboats. Well, you know what? The bottom line is this. The trash talk has already begun. Uh, we're going to have a little conversation about what the Lions did via the National Football League draft. We'll be joined shortly by Eric Schlitt, managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Leave it here. It's the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Nice to have you with us, as always, here on the Sportsbook on WJR. And here we are the Monday following the National football league draft and here's the deal uh you admire your new stuff uh and then you live with it and uh that's the glory of what just went down we're going to break it down now with eric schlitt managing editor of pride of detroit eric how you doing hey steve thanks for having me on i'm doing well i appreciate your time as always my friend Uh, you know eric we just don't have time to really just break this thing down i just want to get your thoughts on some of the things that transpired. And we didn't have to wait long, did we, uh, for an eyebrow-raising moment. Uh, the Lions supposed to go off at 6. Uh, a deal is made with the Arizona Cardinals. Lions drop down to 12. They take uh, running back Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Now, I am really, really good with this right now, Eric. Uh, the more research you do, what was your thought when you first heard the selection? Yeah, I, I figured he was a guy that they might target, but I do think, you know, uh, the consensus is that most people felt like it was a bit earlier than what he was being projected. But for Brad Holmes, he saw a guy that he has, you know, long-term visions for and he thinks can be an immediate upgrade uh, to the roster. And so he took that opportunity and seized it. And, uh, you know, I, there's there's something to be said for, you know, positional value in the draft, uh, but I think it can be a bit overplayed. And um, if you have a chance to get a guy that you think can make a big impact on your team, 
uh, I think Brad Holmes is always going to take that opportunity. Holmes said it, that he was looking for players that fit his team, and he doesn't care what other people say. This is the worst grade I've seen. Yahoo Sports gives them an F. I've seen a lot of Bs, but they give them an F. What do you think of taking um, the linebacker at 18, Campbell? Yeah, I'm I'm a little less uh, optimistic about Campbell just because I thought his he, his value – uh, it was a little bit lower. I also think the position in the NFL that is valued a little bit lower, but ob- they obviously really like him. And when you look at the intangibles that he has being a captain, just the type of mentality that he has, he's very much a uh, Dan Campbell type of guy. Right. And so uh, I'm hoping he can prove that he's worth it. Right. Um, it's, it's one that I did have a little bit more question about um, as opposed to Gibbs, who I thought was you know pretty solid. Uh, you know, but but Campbell really is going to have to some big shoes to fill. He's going to have to step in day one. He's probably going to have to uh, earn a starting role, or the expectations are going to be that he's going to have to earn a starting role, and uh, he'll have some big expectations put on him being a, a first round linebacker. Eric, I thought one of the more intriguing subplots going into this draft is what if, what if Jalen Carter was available at number six, which he was, um, clearly. Uh, Brad Holmes, Dan Campbell, uh, again, have their idea of character guys that they want on this team. And I'm wondering, uh, Eric, if it's, if it's crossed your mind that if this Jamison Williams thing didn't take place, the whole gambling fiasco, uh, is there a better chance that maybe Jalen Carter becomes a lion or that ship sailed completely? I, I think they're two separate issues. Um, you know, Holmes tends to look at any type of character issues as he he says, he's said this multiple times. He looks at them as, you know, situational things. Each one is different and he, he approaches it that way. And and I don't think he would necessarily let one situation bleed over to influence him in another. Now the Jameson thing, we don't know all the details about it. We know that he made a mistake. We know that he was suspended, but we don't know the full details. You know, they've had conversations with behind uh, closed doors and and Holmes seems pretty satisfied with you know the response that he's he's gotten from Jameson and, and optimistic about what Jameson will you know still become as a lion. I think with Carter, it was either he was going to be on their board, or he was going to be off their board, and it appears that he was off their board because uh, of character. Um. Let's talk about Brad Holmes for a second. He certainly feels more comfortable drafting. Six trades in three days, I believe, is the number. What do you think of his performance? Yeah, he's getting very confident. And his his kind of claim to fame, uh, even dating back to his times with the Rams, was that he's good. Uh, he's, he has a really good understanding of where players' values are and where they are going to go in the draft. And I think that is carried over to Detroit. You've seen that with his, uh, you know, um, his moves in, in, in previous drafts. And you saw that again in this draft where he was trading back in order to build capital to improve another pick. So he was willing to trade back at one spot because he thought he could still get a player in, in that range while also trying to build the ammunition to move up uh, with another pick to get a different player that he didn't think was going to, you know, maybe fall to him a little bit later in the draft. So it was, there was a, there was a very overarching game plan of what he wanted to accomplish. And he was very aggressive and I think strategic in how he, the trades that he made and why he made them. You know, clearly uh, Brad Holmes understood 
what needed to be done on the defensive side of the ball there, Eric. There's no question about it. Rebuilds the secondary, bringing aboard C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Cameron Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley. Now, uh, second round of the draft, trades up three spots to bring aboard the fine safety out of Alabama, Brian Branch. This kid, uh, by the way, converted 98% of his tackle attempts uh, just last year, and, uh, you know, he can play the game. I was very excited about this. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, certainly. He was he was the steal of the draft, uh, in my opinion, and I mean of the entire draft. Like his value for me was much higher. This is a player who started uh, as a freshman in Nick Saban's uh, secondary, and that is something that's very rare. He did that because he has such high level of intelligence. He has great football character. He has great off the field character. He's, he's a uh, terrific playmaker. He can match up with a variety of different offensive skill players. He can play a variety of different defensive positions from the slot to uh, he can be a cover linebacker. He can drop deep and, and play some safety. And so the versatility, the skill set, the efficiency, the intelligence, there, it's, there's so much to like about Brian Branch. I think the arrow is going to be way up for him. Another thing I liked about him is he came back day two. He's like, mm-hmm. look, I, you know, I'm not going to wear the suit. I didn't get picked round one, but I want to have my moment. I like that he came back. Oh, certainly. I think that was a that was a really, uh, really telling you know characteristic of of, of his character, right? Um, he wanted to enjoy the moment. He knew it was a big opportunity. He knew he knew it was something that wasn't going to come along, you know, ever again in his lifetime. And so he wanted to seize that. And and if you it, it's if you were watching behind the scenes in like in the in that green room when other players were being drafted, you would see him every once in a while just pop up, and he would be one of the guys congratulating other people for getting drafted. So he was happy for those other players. And I think that again speaks to the type of character person that he is. Got another question answered there, Eric. Uh, when would the Lions bring aboard a quarterback? Uh, first of all, full disclosure, I have full confidence in Jared Goff. I just do. Uh, I understand the importance of having a capable backup, especially in today's NFL. Uh, round two, number 68 overall, they welcome Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee, 11 games last season. Uh, 69.6% of his passes completed, 3,135 yards, 27 touchdowns, just two picks. But there is a matter of the ACL. I'm hearing, uh, Eric, and maybe you can confirm, they expect him to be ready uh, by the beginning of the season. Is that correct? That's what Hooker's camp is saying, yes. The Hooker's uh, doctor was saying that he should be able to be playable in week one. But the, the issue with Hooker isn't just that he'll be ready to, he'll be able to play. It's, it's, there'll be an acclimation process. There's going to be a learning curve with the playbook. Uh, I'm not so sure that he's necessarily going to be a guy who is like quarterback two on the roster week one. I, I I believe that, you know, based on what, how the Lions have approached injuries like this in the past, that they're, they're not going to rush it, especially because I think hooker is part of their long-term plans. And so they want to make sure that he's right. They're going to take his time. He has a lot of, he has a lot of learning to do about the playbook. You know, he came from a very quarterback-friendly offense. Uh, the stats are off the charts, right? Uh, he has incredible accuracy, and there's there's a lot to like about him. But he he has to learn some of the nuances of the pro style uh, of uh, NFL offense, and so that's going to take some time. So I, I think there's it's a it's a Lions offer him such a unique position because they can afford to let him sit. They can afford to not rush the injury and they can let him learn the playbook and they can bring him along, 
you know, at his pace and whether the ACL is, if the, even if the ACL is ready, he may not be there with the playbook stuff yet, or maybe he's there with the playbook, but the ACL is not ready. So I don't think they're going to rush anything with him because, uh, but he's a, he's a talent where I think the floor is he's quarterback two and the ceiling is he could be a long-term starter. Do you think the Lions upgraded the positions? Are they ready to win the NFC North? Do you think Laporte is an upgrade than the tight end by committee? Do you think, you know, the linebacker position is upgraded? Are they there? I think so. I think they were the favorites before the the draft. And then you go into the draft and you add probably three starters in Gibbs, Campbell, and Laporta. Um, Branch is going to play uh, significant snaps, and then you add some depth at some other positions that were a little bit thin um, as far as depth goes. So, what they did in the offseason in free agency, you know, is also a huge thing to consider. Like you mentioned earlier, you, they turned over the secondary uh, quite a bit. There's a lot to like, and I don't know if there's a more complete team in the NFC North right now. For every action, there's a reaction, uh, Eric. And you know, bringing aboard Jameer Gibbs, you know, you thought about it uh, when the selection was first made, and then it dawns on you. Uh, this probably is not going to bode well for DeAndre Swift. And here's a kid that I was rooting for since he got to the NFL, Eric. And uh, by golly, Saturday afternoon, they move him to the Eagles uh, with a seventh-rounder in exchange for a 2025 fourth-round pick and a seventh-rounder this year. Uh, you root for a guy like DeAndre Swift. The problem is just couldn't stay healthy, right? Yeah, certainly. And then, you know, it's, it, it, it was a little bit beyond just staying healthy. It was, it was, it was his recovery ability as well. Um, he was very slow to recover and some of that was physical, uh, progression. And some of that was mental progression. He was not a guy who really tried to push through injuries. Uh, you've heard, uh, you know, former running backs coach do Staley challenge him publicly, about that specific issue. And there's all, there's been rumors, you know, since this regime arrived that they felt they needed to be on Swift all the time in order to try and get uh, the best out of them. And that he, he was a little bit too hesitant to come back from injuries. And, and I think that was something that frustrated them. And they are so focused on trying to create and a, uh, you know, impressive ground and pound type running game that they just felt like maybe they couldn't rely on him, or at least that's what the tea leaves look like. It sounds, it seems like they didn't think they could rely on him anymore. And that's why they were aggressive in going and getting two new running backs. All right, Eric, as always, thank you so very much uh, for your time. Um, you know, I'll tell you what, it's been a long time that the optimism in this state for this Lions organization, Eric, it's yeah, it's insane, isn't it? I mean, I mean, it might be a couple. Uh, 2014, you know, I think you know, it had a lot of optimism, um, but not like this. I think this is that you're getting local optimism, you're getting national optimism, and, and I don't think anybody's wrong either. I think there's a reason to believe that this team is going places. All right, my friend, thank you so very much. Look forward to seeing you soon. That is uh, Eric Schlitt, managing editor of Pride of Detroit, spending some time with us here on the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. You know, uh, Jane, we were talking to Eric about how excited Lions fans are. 
uh, in the state and the nation, uh, everything else. I, I've been sitting on this. I wanted to share it with everybody. I think it's rather interesting. A uh, new study has revealed the top 10 NFL teams with the best fan engagement. And the Detroit Lions come in eighth place after receiving an engagement score of 5.81 out of 10. So here's the deal. Uh, the team at Bleacher Nation have looked at each NFL's NFL team's social media engagement, YouTube subscribers, home attendance rates, and the number of Google searches for the uh, team between February 2022 and January 2023. Now, you take a look at these numbers. Uh, Detroit Lions social media content has been named the eighth most engaging in the NFL after receiving a social media engagement score of 6.67. The Lions' 2022 home attendance rate of 98% is the 17th highest in the NFL. Last year, there were over 27,319,000 Google searches for the Detroit Lions, the ninth most in the league. Uh, with over 91,900 YouTube subscribers, the Detroit Lions are the 24th most subscribed NFL team. So, you know, uh, people want to know about what's going on with this club, huh? Yeah, and I think that when expectations get a little higher, people are more interested. People are wearing Lions jerseys in the off season, walking downtown, I see them. I think it's a fun time. It's a fun time to be alive. I know some buddies that are wearing Lions stuff for the first time in 20 years. That's right. how it's changed a little bit. And I've seen things on social media of like grandparents who are enjoying the Lions again when they've lived through a lot of things. Oh, so they've I seen think, things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, okay, we got to talk about it. Um, per rule, yesterday was the last day uh, a college football player could an- enter the transfer portal. And earlier, we find that two-year starting quarterback Peyton Thorne and wide receiver Keon Coleman uh, jumped in. And then, a little bit later on in the night, uh, we find out that cornerback Charles Brantley also enters the portal. And I'm thinking to myself, self, this is certainly not good. A new season is four months away. Um, And then I'm thinking, well, there's a reason for everything. Now, is the reason that something is awry inside Mel Tucker's program? Or is this just the way college football is operating these days? Or is it six of this and half a dozen of the other? I don't know. I mean, I felt the need to talk to you on a Sunday. That's how I felt, right? It's shocking to have all those guys go on the very last day. And my initial thought, I don't know if I'm right, because I don't know, but my initial thought was something's afoot within the program. Well, I think this is something that people are going to have to understand is going to be the norm. And, you know, when we did the broadcast last Wednesday at the Detroit Athletic Club, and it was a a great town hall uh, with Tom Izzo, Greg Campy, uh, Mark Hollis was a part of it. Uh, Jay Billis from ESPN. And this was the the root of the conversation. What's going on inside collegiate athletics? And this is going to become the norm. Now, we did touch on something that could be in play here, and that's tampering. It's frowned upon. It's considered to be below board. But there is speculation, and at this point it's only speculation that Peyton Thorne is going to Auburn 
and conversations have gone on for a month or so. So that's not tampering? That's definitely tampering. But are they going to get in trouble? And Keon Coleman, the sky's the limit with this kid. He was supposed to be have a breakout year with Jaden Reed gone. Well, and uh, by all accounts, he was looking forward to it. And uh, again, by all accounts, uh, Mel Tucker opened up the quarterback competition to the three guys in question. Peyton Thorne, Noah Kim, and uh, Kaden Hauser. And everybody was saying it looked as though after spring practice that Peyton Thorne was going to be the starter for the third straight year. But yet he bolts. Was this a motivational tactic by Mel Tucker? Did he really believe the position was up for grabs? I mean, you don't know. With the way the NIL is, if a a player doesn't like it, they just leave. Or if somebody knocks on the door with more dough. Right. Look, don't think for a second, my friends, that this isn't legitimized free agency in college sport, because it is. These kids will go to the highest bidder in a heartbeat, no matter how much success they had the previous season. And that being said, I know the Spartans coming off a disappointing five-win season a year ago. But that being said, somebody knocks on your door, and and we're hearing LSU for Keon Coleman. Uh, Somebody gets in touch with his people and say, hey, this is what we've got. Oh, really? Okay. So... This contributes to my point that you're making a commitment to a program nowhere near as strong as the program is uh, getting to you. And this is back to what Jay Billis was discussing. It's going to come down to contracts. You mark my words. Nick, it looks like you have a thought. My thought is how many other schools lost their starting quarterback the day of the final deadline? So it's not a transfer portal issue. It's a Michigan State issue. I mean, yeah, the transfer portal is is part of the the reason that they're leaving, but as long as it's the rule, these players can can go wherever they want, and and that rule's not changing. So at some point, there needs to be a clear message sent from Mel Tucker of, okay, who was a starting – I mean, we need these these answers of – was he the starter? Did you tell him he's a starter? Was it really an open competition? Because people are now saying, well, it wasn't really Peyton Thorne as a starting quarterback coming out of uh, spring ball. Noah Kim kind of really got the nod after the spring game. So and there's a lot of questions, but really only one school lost their starting quarterback. Right, yesterday. and the questions that you're answering while being legitimate uh, are ones that only a certain few people can answer because we're not inside the building. Right. But he's right. Who else lost QB1, wide receiver 1, cornerback 1? Nobody. Nobody. And Charles Brantley, just a great kid, seemed to really enjoy being where he was. And I'm sure he did for a minute. That's going to be interesting to find out where he goes. But the bigger picture is this, that this is going to become the norm until something is done about it. I mean... And until it happens to you, you could probably give a, you know what? Well, nothing's going to be done about it because it's the rule, and they're not going to change the rule. I mean, Michigan State needs to adapt to the rule. 
Because they're the ones who who just lost three of their best players. Well, you they know, also benefited from getting someone yeah. through the portal a couple years ago. Yeah, forty eight new faces during the eleven win season. And obviously Kenneth Walker. You know, so there's that. But um, you know, we'll see. Now, understand this: that um, just because somebody enters the portal, they are not obligated to leave and can return. The thought is it applies to all three of these guys is is that they're gone. So, uh, as they say, we will uh, certainly keep you posted. Uh, more of the sports book coming up right around the corner as we continue here on 760 WJR. All right, let's uh, a little conversation about the Tigers. Uh, they dropped three or four to the visiting Baltimore Orioles over the weekend. Big goings on, Jamie. At the uh, ball yard this week, the New York Metropolitans uh, kick off a three-game series tomorrow night at beautiful Comerica Park. Right now, the Tigers ten and seventeen. Uh, all right, okay, could be worse. Uh, going to be interesting to see uh, what's go- going on. Uh, the uh, Tigers will send Lorenzen out to the hill tomorrow. Now, uh, I thought Max Scherzer was supposed to go for the Mets tomorrow night. That's not what I'm seeing on ESPN right now. Uh, according to what they're saying, Joey Lucchese is uh, going to be on the hill. 1-0, 2.19 ERA. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, but there is speculation that Justin Verlander will make his New York Mets debut come Thursday afternoon. Will you be excited to see him? Eh. <laughs> you know, I... I think, uh, you know, I think the Mets are going to be very excited to see him because they uh, are paying him a boatload and uh, he's had injury and he'll make his uh, debut. So uh, we'll see. You? I think yes. And I think the fans will as well. He was great when he was here. He did some things for the community and he left to go win a championship. Let's see if uh, they've got the... uh... Okay, Scherzer's going to go Wednesday night then. So it's going to be a Scherzer-Verlander back-to-backer. How about that? Remember when they were both on the Tigers? What a time. And David Price. Yeah, and Fister, right? Doug Fister. Yeah, and we didn't win a World Series. No. Uh, Crazy. Crazy how that happened. Now you're talking about uh, two of the premier Do you think arms. Miggy's going to... Do you think Miggy's going to request to play in both games so he goes against Scherzer and Verlander? Who knows what Miggy's got going on? He's just loving <laughs> life right now. I mean, I think, sure, why not? You know, I would love to see it. I'll tell you that much. Uh, Scherzer, by the way, 2 and 1, 3.72 uh, is the ERA. He'll go uh, Wednesday night, and then uh, they'll close out the series Thursday. Um, yeah, it's fresh off his suspension. Yeah, how about that? You're absolutely right there, Nick. Keep an eye on that guy. That's another thing uh, baseball's uh, uh, getting themselves into. You know, the whole, uh, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Did, did you see the story that you have to, like, request, uh, like, 48 hours in advance to get a staying ovation so that's not a pitch clock violation? Is what? that so? Yeah. No, that's not real. <laughs> no, it's a hundred because uh, I the only reason I know the story is because Bellinger got a pitch clock violation 
when he went back to L.A. because he's playing for the Cubs now. Huh. Well, it's going to be an interesting uh, week of ball uh, at Comerica Park with those uh, Mets in town. You talk about high expectations for a ball club. Uh, that would be the Metropolitans. Game 7 alert tonight in the National Hockey League. The Rangers and Devils uh, getting together at the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, I just love everything about Game 7s and the NHL and NBA. There's no doubt about it. But every possession, like last night in those uh, two stellar contests, and winning the President's Trophy means Zippo. Nothing. I mean, they had a, an historic season. Points, everything, and they're out in the first round. Uh, in overtime, the Panthers get the 4-3 win, and the look on the Bruins' faces in the aftermath, and the people in the stands were like, you've got to be kidding me. And I and, and I can't say what I wanted to say there because you know how Boston fans are. Uh, but, you know, Tyler Bertuzzi, what a series. Five goals. God. He's so happy that he got traded. That was his first ever playoffs. And then for it to end like this, but I would imagine the powers that be in Baston are uh, going to look to re-sign the kid. Then... Only in their second year in the National Hockey League, the Seattle Kraken, one of the great all-time team names ever, the Kraken, uh, knock off the Avalanche. 2-1. How about that? Two upsets. I love it. The defending Stanley Cup champion, Avalanche. They're uh, going home, too. Uh, who are you taking in uh, tonight's tilt? Well, I want to say one thing. You know how there are all these sports cliches? Just get to Game 7 and anything can happen. That one's true. Anything Very can happen true. in Game 7. Very true. As uh, we found out. Uh, what was there? A 43-point difference between the Panthers and Boston Bruins. Yeah, 43-point difference, and they're advancing. Unbelievable. Uh, Rangers-Devils getting underway at uh, 8 o'clock tonight uh, in Jersey. Uh, do you go with the home team? I don't know. Well, I I feel like you sub or yeah subconsciously want the Devils because you said it earlier. Is this a beer bet? Ooh, I want a beer bet here. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Uh, uh, who do you want? Haven't seen one in a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump all over your subliminal suggestion. <laughs> I I'll go with the Devils. Okay, I'll take Rangers. Jamie rides with the original six. Steve doesn't. Yeah, no, this game really goes to overtime. I like Jamie. I, I didn't I hear that the road teams are like eleven and three in overtime in the playoffs. Yeah, how about That's that? Crazy, like that. You know, uh, talk to Florida about it. That was uh, still uh, unbelievable. When Florida scored under a minute left, you, you kind of get the sense that a lot of the air was out of the uh, Bruin sails, and now they're saying, "Oh my God, now we've got to regroup." And find a way to win this, and they didn't do it. They were in the driver's seat, and they let that goal happen. That was it. Uh, yesterday, uh, I was going back and forth, uh, to be honest with you, with the uh, Panthers and Galf. And uh, have I ever mentioned what a huge fan of Tony Fino I am? What a I class act so, that dude elaborate. is. Well, you know what? Uh, I saw Full Swing on Netflix, and if you haven't seen it yet, tune in because it's it's amazing television. And he is just a good, solid guy. Loves his family. The family comes out and, uh, you know, travels with him on tour. And 
Um, he's very cordial to, you know, his uh, opponents and, you know, strike up conversation. And I was so happy for him that he wins the uh, Mexico Open yesterday. Good for him. I agree. He's a good guy. Met him at the Rocket Mortgage. And you're right. Like the family was there. And I saw something on Twitter that he wins the Mexican Open and then is catting for his kids today. Well, you know what? That's uh, just more reason to, to, to like the guy. And he's able to uh, fend off John Rahm for uh, crying. I love watching that dude play, too. Uh, in any event, eventually, partner, it's going to get to be golf season here in our neck of the woods. What do you make of that statement? Well, it doesn't feel like it. No. Late, ladies League begins for me on Thursday. I think it's going to start to warm up a little bit uh, for you, for you and the ladies. Well, here's to hoping. Uh, Blake don't play, but me, you, and Nick are going to get out this year. I can drive a okay. cart. Blake can make bets on our golf game. Blake can be the cart girl. Yeah, I'll, be, I'll play cart girl. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. That is a really bad nightmare that I will not. <laughs> yeah, that, ju- well, you'll be happy once I'm providing Miller lights, okay? After that, okay. You're a cart girl. All right. Our time is up. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in, Blake. Uh, Nick, thank you. Partner, we'll do it again next week here on WJR.